It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Hello, welcome to Time Enough Podcast. It's where we delve into all of the episodes of The Twilight Zone and also beyond all the episodes of The Twilight Zone. This is Matt here, coming back for more. It's Andrew Shearer. Hi. What's up, everybody? I was going to say what's up to you, but now it sounds weird if I do that. I asked you first. I'm, a, I'm doing a podcast. That's what's up. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, today. Today is five characters in search of an exit. Um, it, in terms of this podcast's internal politics, it's a controversial one. Um, the average listener, of course, does not have privy to our, our Facebook chat. Yeah. Um, with, a good and, one. Oh, no, no. This is not the one you're on because um, regular guest Luke was annoyed that regular guest Mark spoiled this episode on the. Um, midnight sun episode and and called him out for it and uh oh. and then mark was like you could spoil me on the the new zelda game right but then uh-huh. it turned out luke had been sick so mark was much farther ahead of him on the new zelda game so we this kind this is an ongoing controversy but oh um God. i guess we do and, and then and then he was annoyed at me because my response to mark spoiling this episode that we're now talking about was eh, it's 60 years old whatever <laughs> <laughs> So I, yeah, I guess I guess it's new podcast policy not to talk about episodes that come after the one we're talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm? I, I I feel like I'm I'm good. You know you uh, you can't be spoiled, right? You know these episodes already. I, yes, that's true. <laughs> You've seen all of them like eighty times. Yeah, over and over. Yes. So um yeah so this is you're not the we're talking about people that are following along and maybe I mean hell I haven't watched the whole show there's plenty that you could spoil for me but I guess I don't care about spoilers that much anymore I mean it's nice when I'm surprised but some like I, I for other podcasts I did singing in the rain and I decided to read the synopsis and do all of the behind the scenes research before watching the movie huh. so there were no surprises but I, I just wanted to know what I was watching you know yeah no, yeah. sometimes with musicals it helps you understand it, right? Because I was like, if I'm trying to follow along, I might not yeah. and not know where we're going. Um, <laughs> like, like the people in Five Characters in Search of an Exit have no idea where they're going. Um, hey, nice one. Yeah, uh, well, that's because I have a lot of trivia that I probably need to just start with. Um, okay. <laughs> original air date was December twenty second, nineteen sixty one. This is your Christmas episode, people. Script is a Serling, though he adapted it from the short story The Depository by Marvin Petal. 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 Look, I don't know which way you'd say that. Lamont Johnson is our man. He can direct like nobody can. William Wyndham was the major, a legendary character actor. He showed up in films such as To Kill a Mockingbird, Brewster McCloud, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and Uncle Buck. On TV, he went nuts on Star Trek's The Doomsday Machine 
and had the recurring role of Dr. Seth Hazlitt on Murder, She Wrote, but not the episode that my cousin Eleanor guested on. That was with Rod Taylor, who also shows up in The Twilight Zone. The ballerina was played by Susan Harrison. She was Burt Lancaster's sister in 1957's The Sweet Smell of Success, and that's pretty much it. She retired from acting in 1963. So another class performance from a from an actress in the Twilight Zone who who hung it up right after for whatever reason. Uh, the Grave uh, being the other recent be, example. Yeah, like um, maybe had a family. Exactly. Murray Matheson played the clown. He'll return to the zone, but in the kick the can segment of 1983's Twilight Zone, the movie. He also had guest spots on shows such as Hawaii Five-0 and Perry Mason. Kelton Garwood was our hobo. He made the TV guest rounds, but scored several episodes on Gunsmoke as Undertaker Percy Crump. Different than a clump, I guess. Um, <laughs> Clark Allen was the feller clutching the black pipes, clutching the bagpipes. Most of his efforts seemed to be about educating people about flamenco dance, along with his wife, Margarita Cordova. But on screen, he also showed up in a couple episodes of Peter Gunn. This week's music is repurposed from Fred Steiner's score for 100 Yards Over the Rim. I guess once you're almost 100 episodes in, you don't need so many new scores. No. Maybe you do. I don't know. But in well, the 60s, a completely different episode. Like, a yeah. totally other, you know. Well, there is a rim in this one, too. Both That's episodes true. have a rim. Yeah. It's the, the, <laughs> the, the rim, it's the rim, rim job um, sequence of... I, I was going to say trilogy, but we need a third before I can say that. Okay. Who knows? Maybe we'll get one. Uh, <laughs> you're laughing too hard to dry your teeth, man. Because <laughs> uh, I got a prologue for you. Here we go. Are we ready? Let's get my rod out. Clown, hobo, ballet dancer, bagpiper, and an army major. Collection of question marks. Five improbable entities stuck together in a pit of darkness. No logic, no reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. In a moment, We'll start collecting clues as to the whys, the whats, and the wheres. We will not end the nightmare. We'll only explain it because this is the Twilight Zine. Zine, Zine, Twilight Zine. That Twilight that, that Zine. Twilight Zine had to be something in the seventies. Um, <laughs> this. So, so this some episodes I assign to people. A few people choose their episodes. You're one of them. So mm. you chose this one. Yeah, uh, you want to elaborate? Yeah, this one's special for me because, uh, you know, Twilight Zone, um, New Year's Marathon, the tradition of my family, started by my dad, the late Roy Nathan Shear. You know, I would watch the Twilight Zone together on New Year's. So when I had my own family, uh, my daughter and I, um, you know, she when she was little, she just sort of, uh, you know, ignored it. But when she started uh, to actually watch things and become affected by things, I decided to sort of curate the episodes toward things that a kid might enjoy, but also wouldn't disturb her too much. And Five Characters in Search of an Exit was her favorite. Ah. And, uh, you know, partly I think what hooked her in was the ballerina, and I knew it would. But um, the ending really, like... You know, the fact that there's a there's a little girl and toys are involved. I, uh, 
yeah, this one is just a favorite. So now whenever I'm watching the, the episodes and doing a marathon and going through, if she's around, I'm like, you want to watch five characters and she watches it. Of course, now that she likes horror and stuff, we're probably going to go for some of the scarier ones. But um, this is a great one for a little kid to see, I think. Good intro. Yeah. And in, in my house, you know, I have to preferably show things with Japanese subtitles, right? So uh, ironically, as the guy who hosts the Twilight Zone podcast, we haven't watched so many of those, but I, I, I did score the Alfred Hitchcock masterpiece collection with all but Ooh. one of the films have Japanese subtitles. So I have gotten her doing Hitchcock, which yeah, that's a, that's like two jumps over from the Twilight Zone and minus some social commentary. But <laughs> yeah, you know, I uh, the the Hitchcock one that my kids enjoy and my favorite is uh, Trouble with Harry. That's so. in the set. <laughs> yeah, no, I have that same set. Except you have North by Northwest in yours. I had to buy North by Northwest separately as for some I reason. Don't know. I don't know that I do. The American one have... does. And... Is that right? Huh. If you got the American have... one, it has it. I have North by Northwest on its own. So I don't know. Yeah. I have Strangers on a Train is not on it. Uh, yeah, that's not on. I, you have to get that separately. But um, anyway, I guess we should probably uh, talk more about, about the Twilight Zone since this is a Twilight <laughs> Zone podcast, uh, even yeah. if we've been Hitchcocking around the house. Um, <laughs> which which of the five characters is most creepy for you um i don't know i mean you, i think the clown is too obvious an answer the He's clown is of... too is too obvious uh, but i love the way the clown is played though it's and like... philosophically he's pretty much on point right no like, he he's is the one making the most sense out of the situation yeah um... he's living in the now which isn't True. that interesting, but if you know, if it's what he has to live in, so he does. <laughs> so you you take the hand of the ear dealt. Um, I think the the bagpiper probably is the one that I I find the most unsettling. Bagpipe melody of nineteen sixty one. I did find it interesting that um that actor's main jam was flamenco, and he yeah, was stuck with right? the bagpipes. Who would have thought? I, I had to check. I, I know Dennis Hopper shows up in the Twilight Zone later on. That, I don't think yeah. that's a spoiler, but just for the at first, because I, I I've seen this one before, but it's been a few years, right? So at first, I, is this the one with Dennis Hopper? Because he, he when you first see him, you're like he looks a little bit like a young Dennis Hopper, but that's that's not him. So no, the one with <laughs> Hopper, the one I'm thinking of anyway, the World War II one is like that. One yeah, yeah. Him. So he will be showing up eventually. Uh, again, you know, we had Robert Redford like way too young a few weeks ago. So sometimes you have to like. They, they've been de-aged by the passage of reverse time, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I find the hobo to just be sort of like, uh, you know, your Royal Dano. He, he just, he he's just kind of too on the nose. So, but the bagpiper is just like, who, why? I'm just, you know, I would have thought a cowboy or something. Who wants a toy bagpiper? See? Yeah. Did I have a toy? I, I, I know because I think my dad, ha I, I inherited like little, you know, like old timey die cast metal things. And maybe one of them was a bagpiper. So hmm. I, I, I just did. don't. It's not the first, second, third, fourth or fifth thing that I would choose. The, the thing I don't even know why or how I have this, but uh, I, for some reason I have this like heirloom puzzle in here, which is. Huh? Yeah, I, I I don't remember how it ended up even getting into Japan, but you can, yeah, the, for my old timey toys, here's like a kind of vintage Disneyland 
uh, map of the U.S. <laughs> Whoa. Well, that's an educational tool. That's not a toy necessarily. And yeah, yeah. I mean, you can just kind of see how old timey it is. If uh, well, yeah. those listening to this can't. But uh, yeah, it is kind of weird how some of these toys do, or, or puzzles in this case, just do kind of like dredge up in oddball places. Um, I'm going to guess one of my parents put it there when they were visiting in Japan, but we used to have like this little plastic Yoda, like in the mm-hmm. bathroom, right? And at some point it just appeared by the family shrine in Japan. So I'd like to think Yoda bilocated Luke Skywalker style. And that's how it happened. I'm, I'm guessing maybe one of my parents did that as like a little joke. But in my head canon, uh, Yoda, Yoda bilocated like, in, like Luke does in The Last Jedi. <laughs> my favorite. Absolutely. <laughs> that's what a gangster move. The final Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi. That's right. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> that was the um, end of everything. I do like something watching this time. I was wondering, like, where the line is between their seeming humanity and their inhumanity. Because uh-huh. it's like, you know, the whole thing is like, how are we going to eat? It's like, well, do you feel hungry? No. So that's like a basic human thing missing i mean by the end of this podcast probably one of us is going to get like a little hungry right so <laughs> i mean that, that i mean it's true and those are the things you you uh you start to think about whenever you're dealing with something where these people are experiencing sort of like uh you know this not the same thing over and over again necessarily but just an impossible situation um there's a there's a film that is really super obscure that i was sent during my blogger years called elevator movie and the characters in that, a man and a woman, are stuck in an elevator together. And um, every day, they, when they wake up in the morning from having slept, there's food there for them. And someone has taken the pee and poo bucket away. <laughs> now, I may, have, I may be repeating myself because last week's was uh, Once Upon a Time with Buster Keaton. Mm-hmm. But I'm recording it in three days, so I haven't had that conversation yet. Um, but <laughs> his, his unmade movie... Uh, one of the unmade movies, I guess there's always a few, but uh, Go West originally was going to be The Skyscraper, which was kind of a similar thing where him and his girl ended up on the top of a scaffolding of a skyscraper and the the um, construction workers go on strike. So they're stuck <laughs> up there and they couldn't they couldn't because Keaton did want a weird realism in his movies like the guy who is right in the scenes because I guess the scenist at the time couldn't figure out how to get them down realistically mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was like 15 years later you know by this time the guy was like a pulitzer prize winning writer or something and um he sees buster on the set studios like i'm still working on a way to get you and and, and the lady down from the skyscraper <laughs> <laughs> but yeah kind of a, a, a similar unknown but also a similar thing of you know the being stuck and well, I was about to say comedic because we have a clown, but there, I guess there's not really that much uh, comedy in this episode. <laughs> no, it's it's really intense. It's what I, in in horror movies, what I call bottle horror because, you know, it's when everybody's like in the, in one, stays in one place and it's just the characters trying to figure out either how to get out from where they are or keep something else from coming in. Yeah, yeah. Also saves on money, and I, I love the that they uh, were using you know sixty six Batman produ- uh, production techniques with just you know turn the camera sideways. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't yeah. think I'm familiar with Batman sixty six side camera. You no, mean when, when the- like things are moving, uh, like when things are moving one way or the other, 
and, and it kind of follows them. I mean, when they're climbing buildings. Oh, I got you when it's turned to the side. Yeah, because we basically, I feel like we get an iteration of that here. Because yeah. obviously that's how they're shooting the whole climbing out of the, the can thing, right? So Yeah, which is great because I, I just, I mean, they shot this thing so well to where it really is mysterious where they are. And, uh, you know, if you're the type of person that watches these things trying to figure it out, which a lot of people do, um, it's just, I don't know how you could possibly know. I mean, you could be like, oh, they're dead, because that's a pretty decent answer a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they <laughs> technically are dead, I guess, because they were never alive. <laughs> or did their, con I guess their consciousness started in here. That's that's the weird thing. Like, none of them, they all know who they are, like, job description-wise, you know? But none of them have any previous memory, which is pretty Kafka-esque. Yeah, I mean, it is, but you find out the reason why, you know? Um, well, oh, of course, of course. But, um, you know, the, the thing on this episode, I guess it is kind of like Toy Story, the Twilight Zone episode. Uh, a so little bit. <laughs> William Wyndham's major is basically Buzz Lightyear, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> um, right. Because I, I, I remember back to that, how Buzz showed up and he has no idea that he's a toy like at all. Right. And the others are just like, deal with it. So that's where we, you know, <laughs> that bagpiper really should have been a cowboy, right? That would have made a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, guy. When I said that, I was just thinking a cowboy would be more interesting, but uh, like aesthetically, it'd be too close to the hobo, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that might have. Well, we make the hobo a cowboy. I don't know. <laughs> a drag queen. That would have been great. That would have been awesome, and well, that would have replaced the clown, I guess. Just, <laughs> I'm just talking in terms of makeup and stuff, you know. <laughs> Like I if you had know. two heavily made up characters, that would also that would be like having a hobo and a cowboy, right? So, yeah. um, <laughs> maybe a person of color would have been nice. Well, <laughs> that, what that wasn't beyond the Twilight Zone, but unfortunately, they didn't get to do that too often. What what is it like? Four white twice? people, five white people in search of a black person. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> um, I did suggest to you to put on the Voyager episode, the Thaw, uh, yes. because I felt like. That has Michael McKean playing a. I felt like the clown was pretty similar to this one. That one, of course, being way more disturbing than this one, because this one is, uh, you know, basically philosophically just resignated to his position and making weird, creepy giggles about it. Where Michael McKean's clown is is psychotic. No, uh, he's like Caligula the clown. I mean, he he was. Uh, I mean, it had to have been a blast to play that character. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I was like, I. You know, usually I'm a pretty major Trekkie. A lot of Trekkies listen to this, but I was like, him him doing that role basically makes it a standout episode, I think. And also, it's one of those, that's one of the more Twilight Zony episodes of Star Trek, I think. I mean, there's no, a lot of them, but that one is very much on the nose. <laughs> yeah, and had you just asked me to watch it out of context, you know what I mean, in terms of the Twilight Zone in this episode... I would have just identified it as a Twilight Zoney episode of, of Trek to begin with because um, the, the, they do a lot of this um, one shot. They pan to it a couple times, and it's McKeon's character surrounded by all the weirdos that he's got in there, and it's kind of from a higher angle to where they can get everybody in the shot. That's a Twilight Zone shot completely and it may i haven't watched five characters in a while uh you know several months i guess because it's the last christmas but like um i want to say there's a shot like that if not in five characters definitely in one or two twilight zone episodes 
Oh yeah. And then like you were talking about using this weird minimalist space as like a bottle horror, like that yeah. Voyager does it. And I, yeah, for anyone that's just, you know, wants to have a w interesting back to back comparison, I, I would recommend, uh, you know, you can, you can stream it poorly on Paramount plus, I believe if you don't have the discs or something. <laughs> yeah. No, I, that's where I watched it and it was fine. Um, okay. it, I, uh, I've heard some complaints. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't know the difference, but like it, um, that set is amazing. All the characters and stuff and all the costumes. Uh, it was really incredible. And what's, you know, Trek is known for having interesting environments, interesting aliens, but they all seem like possible where this is just that's out the window because it doesn't actually exist. I think I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Um, something I was thinking at the end of, the, of this episode, five characters, uh, the lady's like, oh, this is just the start of the drive, right? Those mm -hmm. are so there's only the five toys in the in the bin at the moment. So I yeah. was thinking, what about in a week when there's a uh, Trek reference forty seven toys in there? Do they do they just like escape and go gremlins on the town? Uh, that's the <laughs> sequel I want to see. <laughs> I'd love that. I'd love that. No, they're stuck in a pile of people. Um, speaking of Caligula, probably an orgy will happen. <laughs> Well, that that's the, clown uh, the Voyager episode, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I guess I no, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. But no, I I think that's the thing. There'll just there'll be too much friction involved once the bin gets full, you know. And some <laughs> gotta get out. It. Yeah, but there's also going to be the you know there's going to be trucks in there, and will they be sentient or not? You know what I mean? So it'll be really interesting. And then of course there'll be garbage. Do they get Optimus Prime? I don't know. I, uh, Optimus well, no, Prime will save then. them. Well, not back he then, could. of course, but <laughs> but they'll also be garbage, you know, mm, garbage like, prime. Yeah, a talking cigarette butt. Or this was the Christmas uh, toy collection, though. They're not. They're not garbage toys. Well, no, I'm just saying some ass will go by and throw throw trash in uh, there. Because because if they're garbage, if they're garbage toys, they say it's a metal bin. So theoretically, the the bin would be out and getting rusted, and they could just like poke a hole through, no problem, right? But this is a functional bin for toys mm -hmm. that will be given to the orphans and such right so yeah yeah i just imagine you know someone's gonna throw something in there that's not a toy just to get you know just to be a litter bug you know mm. oh like they'll have to deal with like a pile of poo in the middle of their of their or, toy well i was thinking more dimension. of a candy bar that's half eaten and so it'll be decapitated you know, I would just put Mr. Hanky from South Park down in there. A clown, a tramp, and a bagpiper walk into a bar. Um, that just seems like the beginning of somebody's joke. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you have a, another big point you want to throw on this episode before I start asking you questions? No, you know, I'll just say that. Um, Five Characters in Search of an Exit is a great example of uh, low-budget filmmaking, period. Because if you if you think about this one, this wasn't one where they had to go to a location. Uh, this is all on a, on a stage, all on one set. And it's a great example of um, just sort one of... One backlight shot. <laughs> yeah, it's economy of storytelling. If you think how simple this was, you know, uh, it is what the title says. It's perfect. I just think that, you know, if you're somebody that wants to write a script or somebody that wants to make a film or something like that, this is one of the things I would recommend to you because it's uh, every character is well-established. 
know anything about where they are or who they are, that's great because they don't need backstory. They're all like archetypes, icons, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, if you're someone that was thinking of writing something, I would say this is a great one to watch. Yeah, because it feels deep. It feels like it has a lot of substance. But sitting here doing this podcast, I'm like, am I missing something? <laughs> oh, no. I mean, there's... <laughs> I mean, I mean, like with any art, you, it, you, it's mostly whatever it is that you bring into it, you know. And so, because I'm a person that makes movies, I look at things from a te- kind of a technical point of view. But it's, but I still want to have the experience of it. So I do want to be affected by it. It's one of the best gotchas of all the Twilight Zone episodes for me, anyway, because you're talking about, um they're taking this big story. And I think this may have been the point. Uh, There is a lot of philosophical talk. There's a lot of things about, are we in hell? And then at the end you find out, Oh, it's just dull, you know? And so um, at that point, it really takes the piss out of itself. And to me, that's just wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's the thing. Most of the dialogue is more philosophical by nature, not narrative. Right. So, I mean, yeah, because they want to get that misdirection in there. I mean, they do want it cerebral. They do. They do want. Uh, they they are coming up against some big topics there. But you know, there are some episodes where you know they're kind of the writers are smelling their own farts a little bit, and you're just like, okay, man. So this one really at the end is just like the gotcha for me is just great because it's so basic. Which is also, I guess, why I had to start this podcast with an apology. <laughs> Oh, okay <laughs> um it's not a good episode to spoil is it <laughs> if you've never seen it i mean no. again it's still very good i mean you know like you can still sit there and appreciate how well made it is on a tv budget and stuff you know but we didn't go like beat for beat the exact ending you know what i mean i, I like the way that we talk about these episodes to where um it is for someone that's already watched it i think and so we don't have to say hey well, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens. And, uh, you know, there's somewhere I feel like we still left the ending kind of obscured because of the way we're talking about it. So I still think I, I think you I think you'll still get the effect if you watch it. Well, yeah, that's why on this podcast, I just have someone do the prologue and not do a summary. Right. Yeah. Trying to do with the flavor of the episode and not necessarily the, the nuts and bolts. You know, a little bit of that, too. But the, the again, let's do the questions because those are based on the flavor of the episode, right? Which is who in this episode went into the Twilight Zone? Um, Who's the one that falls out? Is it Soldier? Yeah. I, I think the Soldier went to Twilight Zone. Because he fell out of the can. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Because I have, well, you know... First of all, before this podcast, I never thought about who goes to the Twilight Zone. <laughs> so I had to kind of, it took me a while to kind of develop something uh, to where I could put some parameters on this. And so my decisions are always based on, well, who is literally stuck where they are? Who has nothing going forward? And in Toy Story, this would be the one that escapes, right? Uh, this is the one that actually gets out. Of the room, it's lots of strapped to the front of the garbage truck. (laughs) Yes, guy, you've watched it more recently than I have, clearly. Um, but everybody else inside there, like you know, at first you would be like, Well, that's the twilight zone because it's this inescapable thing, but it's not because somebody got out. The only thing is, when they got out, 
they are just a toy. They've lost their animation. They've lost their sentience. They've lost their consciousness. So for all we know, that's the end of that guy. Yeah, yeah, because once he's dumped back in, we we just see the 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 plastic or die cast metal on the fifties toys. Uh, yeah, right? yeah. So yeah. So that yeah. that's why that's my answer. Um, I wonder if him I... falling out like de um sentientized is that a word? Desentientized yeah, all is. the toys. Because all the all the toys are are just toys at that point. Yeah, I, I, like I he broke think, the spell. Um, yeah, I think there were I think really that's just it's a great idea the idea that when toys are not being observed by the human eye or not being actively played with or when they're put away that they do speak to each other and all that stuff i think that's a, a fantasy that most like the average kid has about their toys being alive what do you think rose and chewbacca do when i'm gone uh well <laughs> rose obviously hopefully chewbacca will be supportive of rose and not racist unlike so I certain think, movies <laughs> yeah, i was gonna say so they um they probably go around just yeah seeking out in the galaxy uh racists everywhere they, they probably go through my extensive music collection they go to they go to lemmy kilmister's apartment and start breaking all his nazi memorabilia mm. i think i bet they, they i'm sure they've cleared out his apartment by now <laughs> <laughs> you gotta wonder what did they, what did people do when they they're like okay god this stuff has always freaked me out let's get rid of all this crap <laughs> start the bonfire <laughs> yeah what do you think of ace ventura uh remember uh, i think is in when nature calls where he's at the Falling safari hunter the... guys the <laughs> safari hunter's uh like office or whatever and he just goes this is a lovely room of death <laughs> oh okay all i remember of course is him coming out of the what is it hippo elephant why does he come out of yeah, something like that. Water buffalo, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was great. <laughs> in this episode, do these toys deserve this weird fate? Do toys deserve anything? They're not being destroyed, so that's pretty good for a toy. They're not in yeah. Sid's house if we're looking at Toy Story again. Yeah, well, I, I don't know because, um, yeah, um, when I was a kid, if I was if I didn't play with it anymore... My mom would stick it in a box and put it away. And if I never was like, where's the duh? At a certain point in time, this toy, the box of toys would go to Goodwill. So I have zero of my toys when I was a kid. I have nothing. I think All I have I five is, Legos. You do? Solid. I still, I still have a spaceman. Yeah. Well, I, I have none. And um, I'd, uh, I, I take that back. There was a case of G.I. Joe parts that I ended up selling on eBay for, I mean, I just put it up for a dollar and it ended up selling for a lot. I was like, who is buying arms? But apparently that's a, even stuff that was painted, you know? Well, yeah, you and I um, deconstructed a bunch of G.I. Joes to make X-Men because they didn't make good X-Men toys at the time. They did not. And, uh, you know, that was just us being ahead of our time. <laughs> Now you can get awesome Mexican toys, I believe. You can toys any. You can get Funko Pops for the rest of your life, I guess, if that's your bag. Yeah, but those are collectibles, not meant to be played with. Whereas, like the Marvel Legends series, amazing toys, but they are not. Uh, I mean, <laughs> is it a toy anymore if you're not playing with it? Yeah, because well, these, these toys—that's what I'm saying. Maybe these toys do get what they deserve because they're in a bad spot at the moment. But theoretically, they're going to be 
played with soon because they're going to be distributed for Christmas. Yes, and so um, I think that's what every toy would, you know, if we're going to play by the Toy Story rules, that's what every toy wants, is obviously it sucks being wherever it is they are. And, and you know, it makes it unclear how long they've been there, right? Like, except for the Major who just appeared. But if it's just started, none of them have been there that long, right? So No, nope, it hasn't. So that's why, it, you know, they aren't having sex with each other yet, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's getting it filthy down there by uh, December twenty fourth. Uh, but yeah, no, low. It's uh, it's it's just going to be all. I don't, I don't know what you would call it. The uh... I I wrote um that this w- was a seventies porn setup. Um. <laughs> yeah, five exits in search of a character, or five characters in search of a entrance, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Uh, where do you want to place this one on the tripometer? Gosh, it's up there, you know, because the whole experience, I think, is a trip because it doesn't look like anything. It doesn't look like anywhere, you know, and so I'm usually in the neighborhood of a three, but I'm going to I'm going to get this one. Up. What where what do we go to? Is it one to five? Or yeah. One to ten. Five. Yeah, one to five. This is going to be a four for me. OK, I'm at four too. Um, simply because whenever I watch this episode, Samuel Beckett and um, and and uh, Franz Kafka come to mind very quickly. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I can see very that waiting for Godot stuff here. So, uh, well, really more Kafka because they're having so much existential dread, I guess. But no, I would, yeah, definitely. That puts me up for because visually, I mean, other than the fact that we're watching people in weird weird toy cost well it turns out to be toy costumes you know yeah. um it's 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 trippy minimalism but it's not like there's not like something to flip your mind other than the philosophy of it and the the, the oddballness of the situation and all right but that that's certainly four worthy uh, just maybe not five worthy yeah no i agree and five would just be i don't know i have a i definitely have a bar for where five would be and this is only because it does become tethered to reality at one point um that would that keeps it from being any higher than four well i'll shake hands with a little danger when 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 mark did spoil this one a little accent it's because i asked him what is the five for him on the tripometer but uh let's look backwards for that i'll ask you the same question uh not looking forward but backwards uh which i think <laughs> i think shadow play was my standard for a five <laughs> yeah shadow play would be yeah yeah, it would be. And so. see, that adds all the visual weirdness too. That this one just keeps minimalist, right? I think that's the difference between this one being a four and that one being a five. Well, that for one someone that's like never reality done warping. Sort of, yeah, for someone that's never done any sort of drug or ever gotten drunk or anything, my standard for what would be the tripometer uh, comes from the movie The Trip. <laughs> yeah sure why not <laughs> so when i think it's got anything approaching the movie the trip then i i go well that would be you know when it's just like nonsense yeah yeah that's that, that's always a that's a top 10 movie for me i mean if i'm oh, actually I know. trying to be like quality wise maybe not but as far as like do i like it it's in my top 10 for sure <laughs> yeah yeah no i have a great roger corman I got a couple of Roger Corman sets, but that one, the one that has the trip on it's my favorite. Um, I guess we'll wrap this one up with what's going on in, in Gon's horrific land. So right now, um, right I, now being the beginning of June in the beginning of June, I am in Knoxville 
shooting a movie with uh, the crew that I made the movie Three Hole Punch with uh, that is on our um, physical release, our DVD mixtape Jugsaw, which you can buy on gondorific.com. There you are. As far as this is Time Enough Podcast, Time Enough Pod on Twitter is the best place to interface. We're on Facebook, but I sometimes forget that exists. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Or you can support us on Patreon, where we do lots of podcasts at Podcastio Podcastius. We talk about films. We talk about filth. It's the Films and Filth podcast, which uh, Andrew is appearing on right about this time. If, if you want to, you know, these guys did not turn themselves into a toy centipede so that's probably for the best but you and i and a few other and then the, the other folks in the uh five characters in search of an exit controversy where we're there to talk about uh the human centipede two full sequence if you dare if you don't dare the week after that is citizen kane um, <laughs> <laughs> uh we talk about the weird side of disney films that call it disney and there's some gaming stuff luke loves pokemon we'll get you into each pokemon family Hyrule Field Report gets into the world of Zelda. Game Game Show gets into the world of gaming game shows. Gamers, you can do that too. Okay. Where's your exit? Do you have an exit? Um, Are you a yeah. character? No. Well, one of the exits would be my nose for boogers. Other mm. exit would be poo for the bum. The other would be the mouth, which I use on this show. Okay. I was actually just thinking of jumping out this window. I could survive it. There's a ledge and I I, I might break an arm, but I don't I wouldn't die. Whose arm? My arm. Oh, okay. I'm gonna break someone else's arm. A toy's arm. <laughs> <laughs>